Pod, a Georgia politics podcast. I'm today's host, Megan Payne. Today we have a Peach Pod special for you. We'll be interviewing and um, highlighting Indivisible Georgia 11. We've seen the Indivisible groups do some pretty cool things nationwide, so we wanted to get the scoop on one of the local chapters. So to represent Indivisible 11, we have Robert Thompson joining me on this episode. Hey, Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Doing well. So uh, we're super excited to have you on and to have you talk a little bit about your efforts with Indivisible. So without any further ado, would you tell us a little about the overall Indivisible mission nationwide, the main mission of Indivisible 11 and your role with Indivisible 11? Yeah, so the Indivisible groups nationally, they started out basically after I'll refer to them as 45 uh, got elected. And there was this huge national backlash that really continues to this day. Uh, sometimes, almost monthly, somewhere in our nation, you will find some sort of protest. And not necessarily it's because of our particular group, but usually in, in these different protests, there are some of our members nationwide that are at least you know about those. The, the term indivisible actually uh, came from a number, as I understand it, staffers uh, from uh, congressional uh, leaders in D.C. that decided to, um, I, I think a number of them had been ousted from districts or what have you, or even potentially are still up there. And they put together this framework for indivisible that if you continue to press your elected you know, members of Congress and do particular actions or repeated actions for these particular members of Congress, you may eventually see results. And and we have seen results. Now, here in um, the reason we are called here Indivisible GA11, um, we basically represent Northwest Metro Atlanta. And so if you look at the map, it is is quite gerrymandered. It it starts off in the northwest part of the district in, in like a box, but it starts getting very gerrymandered. It even goes all the way down into portions of Buckhead in our district. And I've even spoken to other folks in this district that are not necessarily in our group, but uh, there's one lady that comes to mind. She says, Barry Loudermilk is my congressman, but I have nothing in common with people that live out in Bartow County, which is a very rural part of our district you know, way out. And you know, the lady I was speaking to, she, she lives down near Buckhead. But that is, that is a result of these gerrymandered efforts that have been around and, and coming under the microscope that these elected officials, they will go on TV, that they'll you know, be interviewed and say that, yeah, I am representing my district and everything. But no, if you really truly go and look at what these uh, congressmen and congresswomen are doing, I don't know that you really can say that. I, I, I think they are actually only representing who they really want to represent in, in their districts. That makes a lot of sense. The districts are so spread out. Then, you know, how can they possibly, how can what someone in Buckhead wants be the same as what someone in rural Georgia wants? That just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. What What do you do specifically with Indivisible 11? Yeah, so we are, uh, the, the group, again, it, it, it all came as a reaction to, as again, I'll refer to him as 45, uh, getting elected. And um, at times I refer to 45 and, and the Republican Party, or that, you know, portion of the Republican Party, at times as a regime. 
and and I, I could try to you know look up the definition of a regime, but they really operate like that. And and the folks that are within that party, they all vote in lockstep. So we we have struggled a bit, uh, kind of honestly, within our group to get a formal leadership structure. Uh, so we do say at times that if you have an idea, you don't necessarily have to really run it by anyone in leadership because most of the time if, if you have an idea, you know, call, email, Facebook message one of us, 99% of the time we're going to say great thumbs up, go do it. We may be able to help, we may not. There may be a cost to it. We may we do have money in packs, so we'll get into that as well. But almost never would we ever tell one of our members, no, don't go do something. But we are trying to formalize because there have been some internal, you know, uh, and, and past, um, you know, learning experiences, as I'll call them, to try to get a, uh, a leadership, as we'll call it, council. So uh, several of us in the group have taken on some leadership roles. And so I'll just kind of in air quotes call myself one of those leaders, if that makes sense. That does make sense. So you mentioned PACs. I know I'm not alone in my confusion with what the indivisible groups actually are. Is indivisible a PAC? If you go from the very top, if you think of this as a pyramid, there is a organization based in D.C. called Indivisible. And that organization, as I understand it, is more or less, I think it's a 504, uh, 503c4 organization. Those organizations operate more or less like the American Legion, the VFW. They're social welfare organizations. They're not 50C3s. 50C3s are a different type of more of a charitable organization, if that makes sense. So, you know, everything that I understand about Indivisible National, that is how that organization operates. Um, our group, Indivisible GA11, we actually have a separate entity. That was the original incorporation here at Indivisible Georgia 11, and we have that entity still to this day as that social welfare organization. Later, when we were getting very involved in the November 2018 election, we found that um, the accounting reasons and so forth, that social welfare organization is really only able to spend 50% of the money collected on true electioneering, as some people have referred to it, or campaigning. And so we did decide to go out and create two PACs, political action committees. The first one is a, uh, a super PAC, which is supporting federal candidates or federal causes, because you don't necessarily have to say you're supporting or against a candidate. It can sometimes be a cause. And we also formed a state PAC here in Georgia, uh, because we did have a number of, you know, candidates that I would you know, say that the, the PAC, you know, did support, you know, leading up to the last election there. So we technically here with our um, organization have three, you know, entities, uh, the original self social welfare organization and the two, um, you know, political action committees. Is this any different than what other organizations do? No. The NRA does it. AARP does it. Um, I, I would not be surprised if AAA does it. <laughs> um, I mean, th th this is what uh, all these different you know organizations do. And do you have any visibility into the other indivisible groups locally? Are they doing this this, this as well? So we are also members of what we've called it here, the uh, Indivisible Georgia Coalition. And there's roughly about 13 of those statewide. 
and they're in varying levels of organizational and also membership sizes. I would say if you look at membership sizes, probably about the largest would be Indivisible 6. Um, Indivisible 6, for those of you not aware, that was the district um, that Karen Handel formerly held and was recently flipped over to um, Lucy McBath. Um, I still, to this day, we, we, we actually had a, a series at one time, 13 billboards running uh, up until the last election. And I still say, as a number of those were supporting Lucy McBath, if we had not run those billboards, there is a chance that she may not have won. That's a great segue into my next question. I was going to ask you, uh, we've seen billboards with the Indivisible GA11 logo on them around the Atlanta area. So you were already talking about the ones that helped with Lucy McBath. Can you tell us about some of your other billboard efforts? Because I know some came out recently, correct? Yeah, so we do have one running right now. It's in Kennesaw. Um, off of uh, Cobb Parkway uh, is rotating two images. Uh, one of them has a stylized, as I'll call it, Uncle Sam pointing at you, um, asking you, "Are you is your tax refund what you expected? Um, we cannot find many people very pleased with the tax refund they are uh, either already getting or uh, they may be getting because it is tax season uh, until you know April 15th. I have to double check because of the shutdown, though, is that April 15th going to be extended? Um, and, you know, there could be varying levels of, you know, arguments of, you know, what, you know, what caused that and, you know, everything. But, you know, a lot of people that they have for years and years, you know, they, they expected that tax refund and it is a surprise right now. They are either getting a much, much lower refund or even worse having to pay. And they were not expecting that whatsoever. So that's the one billboard uh, that is up right now. Then it rotates over to a second billboard um, that um, is uh, for um, uh, voting rights. And here in Georgia, our voting rights um, honestly are still under attack. Literally, there were more uh, hearings under the Gold Dome uh, even today. And um, it, 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 to, to me and a lot of our members, it is very concerning um, that we, it, it's almost like a lot of these members here in Georgia that they have still not learned anything, um, you know, uh, of how, you know, Kemp ran this last election. Gotcha. Yeah, that is pretty concerning. So you talked about the Lucy McBath billboards. You want to go through some of those with us? Yeah. So, um, we, we did partner with our uh, friends, um, and, and literally my home, uh, if I look across the street as, as gerrymandered, I am in 11 and I look across the street as District 6. I mean, that's literally how close I am to our neighbors in District 6, you know, where Lucy McBath, you know, th thankfully has, um, you know, won uh, that uh, election over there. But we did partner with them and we had, um, you know, some billboards that were uh, giving messaging about gun safety. Um, that was one of her main you know, points that she was running on. Mm. Also um, uh, ran some things on health care. Um, and then also the, the other messaging, um, the, the, the one that got the, the biggest reaction, um, it actually had a uh, Cold War 80s Russian sickle and hammer. Uh, we're too poor to vote Republican. Um, so many times over that campaign has received visceral, emotional reaction. 
um, you know, from people. Uh, I recall receiving a, a, an email from the uh, Link, who was uh, running most of these billboards for us, and uh, the, the gentleman there said, you, you may uh, want to know that a lady, I believe this lady was actually up in Peachtree Corners, was the, where this particular billboard was running, near her um, her neighborhood, and she, uh, she called Link, the billboard company, and she says, you need to take this billboard down now because it is... Uh, you know, it is not friendly to what my neighborhood should look like. And, of course, I think Link just responded and said, well, that's not how this works. I'm sorry. I mean, the billboard's paid for. We, we don't take it down because you request that. We, we still have freedom of speech here in the United States, for better or for worse. So That's pretty interesting. And it's, it's good to see some strong reactions, even if they are negative. That just means that your message is getting out there, right? Yeah, I mean, my reaction to that, the, the billboard is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, you, you know, and, and we have literally we are doing all this on a shoestring budget. Um, we 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 technically don't have a consistent paid staff. Almost all of the effort that goes into this is volunteer effort. We, we do at times have, you know, strategic, you know, contracted out uh, efforts for certain um, you know kind of key things. If we if we're not getting the right you know, as we feel, you know, volunteer efforts, but almost everything we do is literally on a shoestring budget with volunteer efforts. And um, it, it, I feel like one day I, I could write a book and, and, you know, how to run a pack literally on a shoestring budget. <laughs> our, our, our friends on the other side, the Republicans, typically everything that I know about a pack to date is not done like this. You, you usually, with a political action committee, you have corporations, you have rich individuals who are writing checks in the tens of thousands of dollars to get pulled together to go and hire professional advertising agencies to make videos for commercials, for print advertising. We don't have that budget. I mean, it, you can go out and look at, you know, um, you know, all of our, um, you know, auditing and everything, it, it's, it's in the um, single thousands of dollars. It's not in the tens of thousands of dollars that we're doing this. So. Well, that's pretty impressive. So I heard a story recently about an indivisible GA11 cake. Can you share what was going on there? Yeah, so um, the inspiration, there is another group in the coalition, Indivisible Lumpkin. The, the group there, um, they are, I'll call them very tenacious that they created, um, oh, I'd want to say, is it Doug Collins is their um, representative? Um, he did win re-election. Um, he is in a very um, rural conservative district, but he did win re-election. Um, but they um, baked a cake. It was in an um, aluminum foil pan, and they went and got childlike um, tools, like plastic tools, and put it in this cake, and they basically, I think the cake said something to the extent of, um, you know, congratulations on being a Trump tool. <laughs> they delivered it. They had, you know, camera phone video and, and they delivered it to the office. They had uh, one of their members, you know, dictating a prepared letter. And so I, I said, that this is great. You know, um, this is, and so a couple, um, myself and two of the members, we, um, we called because um, I don't know that anybody want to eat a, a cake that I baked. I mean, I could try. <laughs> but we, we um, called Kroger up uh, near, um, you know, Barry Loudermilk's office up in um, uh, Woodstock, ordered a cake. And our cake said, uh, welcome to the minority. Um, because, of course, 
uh, in the House of Representatives, the majority now uh, is the Democratic Party. And so um, we dropped in um, on uh, Mr. Loudermilk's office, and um, we only got to the front door. We, we asked to meet with a, uh, a staffer for a few minutes. We were told that the staffer was not available. So we presented the cake to uh, Miss Phyllis. Um, a lot of the members know Miss Phyllis um, on a first name basis. She would probably rather that we did not know her on a first name basis. <laughs> She's a very sweet lady, but again, you know, a lot of the interactions that we've had with her, I'm sure, again, she didn't wouldn't like that. Um, we did press and ask, you know, again, you know, we, can can we call the D.C. office? Is there anyone up there we could call? And she says, I'm sorry, this is not an option. And she proceeded to close the door in our face. Um, th- th- this is just not how you treat constituents. And 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 I it, it amazes me how a someone who allegedly wants to get reelected to Congress seems to think that this is acceptable to run a congressional office. And so, and, and will go on the record and, and when, when, when is asked about the reaction to this and says, this is a radical liberal left-leaning group and I've already met with them. No, if, if I'm not mistaken, the last time that we met with Barry, it's been over a year ago. And, and so as soon as we you know, had the encounter in the office, of course, I, none of us want to get arrested. We are not in there, you know, doing, causing any physical harm. We just wanted to sit down and have a conversation. We are constituents in the district. We went out to, you know, one of our members' cars and we called up D.C., one of the staffers in D.C. answered the call. I said, you know, literally we um, you know, had the door closed in our face. And the next person that answered was uh, Robert Adkerson, uh, Barry's chief of staff. Robert knew exactly who we are. And the, this, the, the, um, the phone call is recorded. It's on our Facebook website. You can listen to the entire interaction. Um, and he, he, he tried to lay into us saying that we were spreading lies on social media about him and, and going on. And I said, Robert, we just want to meet with you. And so later, a meeting time was agreed upon. And then that meeting time, um, he actually, something came up and they canceled the meeting. And so to this day, yet again, they have not met with us. Wow. So other than clearly not being able to meet with Barry Loudermilk, what are some of the other big issues that you're working on? It, it's going to be right now, it's, it's the voting machines. And we, we are pushing for what, what we're terming as hand-marked paper ballots. What, and if, if you've listened to anything that Sarah Riggs Amico, so if, if you're not, sure, not clear or know who Sarah Riggs Amico is, she ran with um, Stacey Abrams as lieutenant governor. And she has a very, very detailed presentation that has been vetted by academia, numerous people. There are anomalies in her numbers that literally cannot be explained. There are districts that are very heavily, you know, uh, blue democratic districts where there are literally votes that are just completely missing. And it's very, very interesting that the missing votes or the drop-off, as, as you know, referred to there, all come from these electronic voting machines where there is no other record. So it's uh, the, uh, the, um, the equivalent here is let's say that you go into the voting booth and you tap on these screens 
and you hit register and cast my vote. And that gets written to something like an Excel spreadsheet. I think most everybody can relate to what an Excel spreadsheet is. And that gets saved on some hard drive. That's the only record right now here in Georgia of the vote tally of those machines. And there's a chance right now that these very expensive machines that our state here in Georgia will go and purchase is actually going to be no different. You have to have some sort of paper record and not a receipt because there is this um, argument that if you give the voter a receipt of their, um, you know, what they voted for, that's also acceptable. No, it's not because what's going to turn into is, okay, if, if you, okay, if you tear off a receipt of all of your voting that you did that day and you take that back with you, but there still is nothing that remains in a paper format at that voting precinct, the, the precinct, the county, the state, it's literally like going back into that Excel spreadsheet, changing a cell and moving on. We have to have some sort of, and again, we're calling for hand-marked paper ballots. It can be another form of that, but there must be some sort of paper record that is generated on the day of voting. If we don't have that, literally everything we are doing to try to get our candidates elected is all for naught. That makes a good bit of sense. I know Luke and Kyle talked about it actually on our last episode. Um, so if you want to refer back to their conversation, please do, um, for our listeners, but yeah, Robert, it sounds like a lot of the concerns are very similar in that regard. Um, and so what exactly are your efforts related to getting the voting machines or the voting situation sorted out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a number of our members, we've been engaged in via email, phone calls, literally a number of our members, including others in the state have been going down to the gold dome sitting in the committee i have i haven't had a chance because i've been you know on the road working this week but um you know there have been you know requests to go and literally pack these committee rooms and show a presence that we care about this and i'm hearing um, reports that you know they're trying to push it through but you actually have you know, um, you know, state representatives looking in the room and looking around and seeing, oh, um, my constituents actually care about this. And of course, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, our, our, I know, you know, Megan, you're younger than me, but do you remember Schoolhouse Rock? Oh, yeah. I love Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. I mean, th this all goes back to it. And, and so many times over, I feel like you have to have a civics you know, class, but you know, I'm a bill, I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill or what have you. I'm just a bill. Yeah, I'm only a bill. Okay, sorry. But, I mean, it, it, it all goes back to that. I mean, it starts in a committee meeting, and literally these conversations and the pressure that you put on these representatives, it can literally mean the difference between whether there is a paper record at, you know, that, that precinct which is just the smallest thing. There's no extra cost to that. And the millions of dollars, I mean, you know, I think we can both say we work in technology. I mean, the millions of dollars that are going into these machines, potentially, it's not that much more money to generate a paper copy of the actual 
you know, um, you know, ballots that are being done on those days. It, the, the hacking that is going on, I'll share another example. The card that you get today when you go to vote, it has a little gold chip on it or gold colored chip on it. I think it might be copper. It might not be gold. They, the poll worker gives you that card. And of course, most Georgians, you know, we're trustworthy. That's the card you're going to put in the voting machine. But there's still a chance that a hacker or someone is trying to do something malicious. They don't necessarily put that card in the machine. And what happens then? I mean, that, that's just a whole nother tangent of where all these other cybersecurity folks have looked at the current process I don't even know where that even comes into play and in, in what these new machines. If you look out at the, the here it's so far, it's called the SAFE Commission, S-A-F-E. Uh, they have six vendors who have, you know, uh, given proposals. Um, one of those vendors, by the way, um, has ties to Governor Kemp, um, which is, I think, uh, you know, kind of a huge conflict of interest there. Um, you know, it, it just all goes back to we cannot, but well, we, we have to learn from what happened in this last election. And if we don't, this is just all for naught. Yes, we certainly must learn. So how can people find you and how can they get involved? Um, a website, Twitter, uh, Facebook. So if you want to start with the website, Indivisible, GA11.com says Indivisible, GA11.com. Uh, we are also on Facebook, fb.com slash indivisible. Actually, let me make sure I quote that right. <laughs> um, and while we're getting to that, um, on Twitter, that's probably where uh, publicly we're a little more uh, active. Um, Twitter.com slash indivisible GA11 there. On Facebook, fb.com indga11. So it's a little bit shorter there. That's why I wanted to make sure I got that one right. Um, those are public-facing pages. Um, on those, you'll find, you know, uh, events at times. Um, you know, reach out. There's ways to send us messages, emails. Um, we would love. I mean, there was a lady. She she found our group recently. She's moving to the area. She's involved in her, you know, indivisible district where she lives now, and she is moving to the area and she wants to get involved. I said, great, welcome. And and literally, she came into our private group on Facebook and it already had 15 likes. I mean, you know, that that is all you know, great. Um, and, and we love you know new, new members to to join us for sure. And do you accept any skill level? please <laughs> if you can you know text you can uh you know do facebook i mean anything i mean yes i mean yeah we we just need like-minded individuals is, is all we need sure awesome well robert thank you so much for coming on the show it's great to have you on peach pod and uh, we look forward to keeping track of what indivisible ga11 does next yep thanks for having me on that's our show for the week If you like what you heard, share the show with a friend and go over to iTunes and give us a rating or a review. It really helps other people find our show. We'll be back with another episode of Peach Pod next week. Until then, take care, y'all.